and pro- This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour open-line talk show confronting the issues of America's heart and home. To express your viewpoint, please call 804-754-1988. That's 804-754-1988. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer. Anyone who has listened to this program long knows, is confident that we're in a prophetic season of global change and that it's imperative for you and me, for us as Christians, to comprehend the perilous times in which we live. And they have to, we have to know what we believe and live courageously going forward. As the famous uh, philosopher Gatey said, courage lost, all lost. And American Christians are losing their courage, unfortunately, from pulpit to pew. And that's why compromise has entered in so pervasively over the past 40 to 50 years. Courage is being lost. We've become people-pleasers rather than God-pleasers. While humanity desperately is attempting to study and steady itself during these tumultuous times, we Christians find ourselves standing on the precipice of a historic moment. And you know this is a historic moment. We're facing a a once-in-a-millennium opportunity not just a lifetime, a millennium. We can still make a difference. You and I can still make a difference in our world, but it has to be now. While, as Jesus said, it is still day, because the day is coming, the night is coming, when no man can work. The unfortunate thing is that time is running out. We get one shot, and this is our appointment with destiny. I hope you understand that. This is your appointment with destiny. Today, just like Esther of old, who knows, but what you and I are called to the kingdom for such a time as this. This could be and should be our finest hour. The question is, will it be? It all depends on you and me. So today on Viewpoint, we're going to be talking with a special guest, Jeff Kinley. He's joined us before here on the program. His book today is called Aftershocks. Christians entering a new era of global crisis. Indeed, the reality today is that globalism is at the gates. Globalism is at the gates. It's knocking hard at the gates. You know, and I know, that Joe Biden, when he became elected president, his uh, environmental czar, former senator, Former Secretary of State John Kerry declared that the election of Joe Biden opened the door to the Great Reset. The Great Reset is a euphemistic term for the one world order or one world government. Two or three weeks later, the same Secretary of State, John Kerry, appeared before the World Economic Forum and declared This is going to take place. This transformation to a new global order is going to take place far more rapidly than anyone could possibly imagine. Would you like to know what date they have set for the conclusion of all of this? 2030. Eight and a half years from now. Are you ready? Well, our guest today is going to help us to get ready. Jeff Kinley 
Aftershocks. Sounds pretty shocking, Jeff. Good to have you back on the program. Oh, great to be back with you. Well, how are things down there in the beautiful downtown Little Rock? Are you guys experiencing the same kind of threats and uh, slaughterings and things that are happening all over the country? Well, not to the degree that some places are. We certainly have been greatly affected by everything that's gone on here. We have a a governor who in the capital city here who is of one political persuasion and a mayor who is of another. So uh, they seem to be constantly issuing edicts and emergency proclamations that that contradict one another. So sometimes the public doesn't know what to do. Well, it seems like the public doesn't know what to do anywhere. In fact, this very day, the CDC has radically changed many of the so-called orders and expectations with regard to how we respond to the coronavirus. It seems that science is very fickle. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it seems like the CDC and really the official news releases from the government itself have, have spoken out both sides of their mouth. And on the one hand, they're pressing on the gas. On the other hand, they're pressing on the brake. And it really just kind of is like the weather. It changes from day to day. The reality is that this coronavirus situation has created an environment. And I think everybody sees it. We don't want to admit it but we can see it, we can feel in our bones, has created an environment to catapult the world toward the second coming of Christ and toward uh, the consummation of biblical prophecy in ways that nothing has done since the birth, resurrection, and crucifixion of Christ. Do you agree? No, I absolutely agree. In fact, as I look over my lifetime and even recent history, Chuck, I can't think of a single event or, or occurrence or phenomenon that has captured the entire planet's attention. I mean, any either one of the two world wars didn't do it. Mm-hmm. 9-11 didn't do it like this. This COVID epidemic thing and, and what's followed in its footsteps has been something that has really captured the attention of every single hamlet across the entire planet. That has to be significant. Well, during the reign of Barack Obama, uh, Rahm Emanuel, his right hand, made a famous statement that you should never let a crisis go without taking advantage of it. And it seems that that is exactly the thinking of world leaders, not only in this country, but all over the world, uh, to not let this crisis go without seizing the moment. That's how John Kerry felt about it. Uh, That's how Klaus Schwab, there, the head of the World Economic Forum, thinks about it. Uh, In fact, he's actually the one that coined the term uh, the Great Reset, and he also is the one who coined the the phrase Build Back Better that was adopted by uh, Joe Biden as his campaign slogan. No, absolutely. absolutely. In fact, uh, they use crises as a way to facilitate chaos. And part of the chaos is so that the government then can come in riding on the white horse as the hero to bring a sense of calm to it, uh, a sense of of tranquility. Oh, listen, we'll just if you'll just do this, what we say, wear a mask for two weeks, it'll be okay. And by the way, we're going to send you some money to make you happy as well. It's it's really your money or your children and grandchildren's money. We're going to send it to you anyway. And so what they do is they create the crisis essentially, and the chaos, and then they're the answer to the problem. And so through over time, the mentality of the populace comes to think, well, I guess the government has my best interests at heart. They always seem to be there when I need them. And of course, it's all leading to ultimate control 
from the government over people of the earth. Well, it's all leading to control of we the people, not just in this country, but all over the world, uh, by a new Caesar rather than Christ. I remember back, uh, it was a famous historian who in his series of 10 books concerning the history of civilization has an entire book called Caesar or Christ. And uh, we're, we're at the culmination right now. When we talk about globalism at the gates, what we're really saying is we're going to be forced to make a choice whether to worship Christ or Caesar. Yeah, really what, what essentially is happening here, Chuck, is that the, the whole world and, and countries of the world are beginning to see that uh, no one country can handle this thing by themselves uh, or this created phenomenon that we're experiencing. So we have to come together. And everybody from Tony Blair, Gordon Brown, as you mentioned, Klaus Schwab, mm-hmm. uh, the former Secretary General of the United Nations, uh, by Kamun, also always calling for one world government. All right, we'll be right back after this, friends. Stay tuned. Once upon a time, children could pray and read their Bibles in school. Divorces were practically unknown, as was child abuse. In our once great America, virginity and chastity were popular virtues, and homosexuality was an abomination. So what happened in just one generation? Hi, I'm Chuck Chris Meyer, and I urge you to join me daily on Viewpoint, where we discuss the most challenging issues touching our hearts and homes. Could America's moral slide relate to the Fourth Commandment? Listen to Viewpoint on this radio station or anytime at saveus.org. Back to Viewpoint, I'm Chuck Chrismar. I want to make available to you a very special book that I think will be highly informative, uh, maybe transformative for you. It is our special guest's book called Aftershocks, Christians Entering a New Era of Global Crisis. It's a $15 book, yours for $13, on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. You can give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA. That's 1-800-SAVE-USA. Or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Now, our guest today is talking about aftershocks. He said within weeks of the coronavirus pandemic, world leaders began viewing this predicament as a golden opportunity to sound calls for global unity. Casting off capitalism for a socialist new world order in what the World Economic Forum is proposing by 2030. Prince Charles, you know, Prince Charles of Great Britain, he said, we have a golden opportunity to seize something good from this crisis. Its unprecedented shockwaves may well make people more receptive to big visions of change. It is an opportunity, he said, we have never had before and may never have again. So, we must seize the moment. Well, why should Christians be opposed to that? Why should Christians have a concern about globalization and about uh, this idea of coming into uh, unity together? Won't unity bring peace? Is it unity at all costs? Doesn't Jesus want us to be in unity? What is this? Why do we have such a problem? But well, we need to talk about that here as Globalism at the Gates. Our special guest again, Jeff Kinley. Uh, Jeff, you uh, talk about uh, aftershocks. Now, are you talking about aftershocks after the coronavirus has, has come out or even before that? 
Well, these things have been building really for decades. Absolutely. And with the birth, rebirth of Israel, obviously, in 1948 was the, the way that I think God really began the prophetic clock ticking again. But we're beginning to see these, these convergences of these prophetic signs that the Scripture mentions, really some of their embryonic form, some of their develop, more developmental form. But what happens is, just like birth pangs, Chuck, as you read the Scripture, mm-hmm. birth pangs come both in intensity and in frequency yeah. as you get closer to the actual birth. Isn't that so a lot of true? We're now. Just ask yeah. any woman. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Ask my wife. My, my uh, daughter-in-law is having a baby tomorrow morning. So well, no, wait, we're a minute, very wait a minute. Wait a minute. She's a birth person, right? Yes. Yeah, so Are you a, a birthing person? person. <laughs> have you ever I am had, not a birth person. Have you ever had birth pangs yourself? No, I have not. Well, I thought men and women were exactly the same. Yeah, exactly. And and that's what <laughs> the world would want you to think, is that we're all just kind of, we kind of cross over back and forth, uh, depending on how we feel on that day. Right. But yeah, like those birth pangs, Chuck, what happens is, is that, the closer you get to the birth, they get stronger and more frequent. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're seeing now. And I think this COVID thing really was sort of a jump start. It mm-hmm. really set the ball in the motion. We, we began on a downward a gravitational pull on this thing. And uh, there begins to be this, this irresistible pull, as you said, towards unity, which obviously is, is not the highest uh, moral value that we could all uh, attain to. I mean, I mean, Germany had unity in World War II, but it wasn't a righteous unity. Uh, but people say, well, yeah, well, what's the matter with just the world coming together and fighting a common enemy, a deadly disease? And if it were that simple, it might be something very honorable. But, of course, there's a whole other agenda, both from the World Economic Forum's admission uh, to fundamentally reshape society and commerce, but also from a biblical perspective, we know where this thing is ultimately headed. Well, we sure do. And, uh, you know, it takes me back. I've been around a long time. And (laughs) longer than it even seems sometimes. And uh, I remember back in the 1970s, early 1970s, when the mayor's prayer breakfast uh, movement began in our country. And uh, also the presidential prayer breakfast. Well, interestingly, uh, that was perceived by Christians as a wonderful thing. uh, Bringing us together around prayer uh, to the Lord. Uh, for our country, a nation under God. But almost immediately, within just two or three years, it began to broaden. It began to broaden into an ecumenical kind of movement and then ultimately a multi-faith movement. And so rather than bringing us into unity in Christ, the effort was to compromise Christ and bring us into unity without Christ in one another, and to embrace all the religions of the world in multiculturalism, religious pluralism, and political correctness. The net effect of it was, rather than bringing genuine biblical unity, it has rather brought us into unity against the spirit of Christ, which is the spirit of truth. That's how I see it. No, I think you're absolutely right, and that, again, plays into the biblical narrative of what's going to happen in the end times, where there will be a one-world religion, essentially, under the man called Antichrist. And what happens is Satan really just hijacks Christian values. He hijacks kindness and compassion, Mm -hmm. truth and equality, and all these things. Then he reshapes them and reformats them, and then sells them out to the public again under a different title. And so 
as you said, coming together as one world is really one part of it. Uh, coming together as one faith, and you have multi-faith expressions, but in the end, you have people saying, well, we all just worship the same God. It's just yeah. different ways to get to him. And so we completely ignore the exclusivity of Christianity, where Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. And uh, we, we tend to ignore that for things about God's love and that type of thing. You know, it's interesting. I'm thinking back, back into the 1970s again, there was a, a group that uh, traversed the world. Uh, it was spawned by a group called Moral Majority coming out of Coe, Switzerland. It was called Up With People. I don't know if you ever mm-hmm. heard them. And, oh, yeah, I remember those. Yeah, and they had uh, just some wonderful, upbeat music. I remember Up, Up With People, they're the finest people everywhere. <laughs> up, Up With People, you can f- see them everywhere. If more people love more people, then how wonderful the world would be. Well, that was used instant, uh, instantly. Uh, having a foundation in the Christian faith was used to spread multiculturalism and religious pluralism in a very popular and catchy way. And isn't that how uh, the enemy of our souls works? It, it, it really is. The Bible calls Satan, the great deceiver, Jesus called him in, in John chapter 8, verse 44, the father of lies and a murderer from the beginning. And, you know, I, I agree. I was alive during that time. I was a teenager during those years. Remember the whole we are the world thing in uh-huh. the 80s? Oh, yeah. Uh, the co- you know, Coca-Cola, I'd like to teach the world to sing. We're all holding hands <laughs> on the mountainside, you know. And, you know, well, John Jeff, Lennon. you know what you're imagined. revealing? You're revealing that you and I are, um, <laughs> are of a, a past generation. Yeah, I was born during the Eisenhower administration, if, if that helps you any. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, the whole idea, Chuck, is just rallying around one cause. And, you know, we have that with our sports. We have that, you know, with political parties. So why not do that with the whole world? And now what's happened is, is that the agenda now is let's rally around COVID. Let's rally around climate change. Let's rally around uh, getting rid of capitalism and just spreading the wealth uh, amongst the whole nations. And wouldn't that be great if everybody were equal? Uh, and yet at the same time, again, it's, it's, a, it's a really a false mimicking of what the Bible says Jesus Christ is eventually going to bring to planet Earth yeah. uh, during his coming kingdom. He will bring righteousness, and, and we will be equal for him, but not in the way that Satan proposes. Well, that's right. He uses deception to try to promote or substitute or pervert truth. And we find that uh, people hear the word socialism and they say, well, isn't that like uh, what happened in the book of Acts? Uh, Doesn't it say that the people uh, sold their belongings and gave to those that had need so that nobody had lack? Well, yes, it does say that. But it doesn't say that the government compelled them to do that. They did it of their own free will. They did it because the Spirit of God moved upon them because they saw brothers and sisters in Christ who were in crisis, and they came around and met their needs as a family. That's absolutely right. Satan wants to enforce that through government and take away the very heart and soul of why they did it. Yeah. Yeah, In fact, people fail to mention in Acts chapter 2, and when the Christians were gathered in Jerusalem for this festival, they were kind of stuck there. And uh, people forget that that was a temporary sort of dispensation, if you will. 
that they had with each other. But basically, Christianity is a voluntary way of saying what's mine is yours. But socialism and communism says what's yours is mine. Uh There's a fundamental difference between those two. Absolutely. Now, there's another term that you use uh, here talking about this, this world government coming into being. And what their cry is, is peace and safety or peace and security or security and prosperity. In fact, there are 15 such, uh, shall we say, unions that have been formed or in the process of being formed across the world. And every single one of them is formed on the same basis, security and prosperity or peace and safety. Isn't it interesting that the Hebrew word shalom means peace and safety or peace and security, and Jesus himself was to become the peace of, uh, the prince of shalom? Yeah, absolutely. And what's very interesting, too, is that the what they appeal to in doing that, I believe, Chuck, is just our basic sense of our happiness, our tranquility, our stabilization mentally and emotionally is all geared around, are we going to be okay financially? We're going to be okay with our health. If you can promise us health, if you can promise us that we'll be okay uh, economically, then pretty much someone who rides in on that horse uh, can get just about anything he wants to from the public. And people are willing to give up their rights, their liberties, their freedoms for exchange of that sense of safety. I mean, there's obviously great debate about the vaccines and the things that are going on right now. Mm. But either way, there is an exchange there. And so people are having to make those difficult decisions right now. Am I going to trade something that I'm not sure about uh, for a sense of peace and safety? Here's what troubles me. The majority of Christians, as I see it across the country, and I've been involved in many of the denominations. My father was a pastor for 50 years. I pastored. I have, even when I practice law, 80% of my clientele came from the broader body of Christ. And I have watched the trajectory over the past 50, 60 years. And it is not the strengthening of faith, but actually the diminishing of faith and the watering down of the faith once delivered to the saints. The net effect of that, it seems to me, is to prepare professing Christians to receive the Antichrist rather than to stand and having done all to stand to stand. Well, and that's exactly why Paul wrote Second Thessalonians to help dispel some of the some of this confusion, some of the myths that were out there in the world, and to let them know what the clear truth of God was. And he even talked about in the last days there will be a great delusion, there'll be a great apostasy or a falling away from the faith. And many Christians, because they're not grounded in the Bible and don't know the Bible that well, they're easily misled. In fact, George Barna said that 14% of Christians read their Bible every day, but in the past year during COVID, that dropped down to 9%. So is it any wonder? Yeah, it, it's just mind-blowing. In other words, that our only what's happening is that stress is actually causing a true revealing of who people really are what they are inside, not what they want people to think they are, but who they really are. Yeah, that's exactly right. And and that's what adversity always does. It's a great revealer. Uh, It uncovers what was really there all along. And you had on the heels of this this COVID pandemic, you had the unrest and and uprisings in America, uh, the anarchy, the chaos uh, that flowed in our streets for months, 
the billions of dollars that were lost. Why? Because it revealed the, the basic depravity that was simmering under the surface all along. Mm. And uh, we as Christians have to respond, obviously, in a different way. Uh, we have to find out what is in our infrastructure and what's there to keep us from basically unraveling and coming apart when our whole world around us is doing just that. Exactly. Aftershocks, friends. Christians entering a new era of global crisis. Our special guest, Jeff Kenley, and uh, we want to make his book available to you. Uh, it's a $15 book, yours for $13 on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Uh, give us a call at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 2. 3255, writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. And uh, please seriously consider becoming a partner, friends. It costs to keep this program coming. We've been 26 years on the air now, and uh, every day, every week is questionable whether the results will be there. Become part of it. We'll be back. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, on the front page are two great videos. First, an interview and discussion of Chuck's book, Out of Egypt. Also, a great TV interview with Chuck regarding his book, Seduction of the Saints. Much more videos, a for pastors only section, and also you can view Chuck's weekly teachings. All at his website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Also on Chuck's website, listen to Chuck's Viewpoint broadcast. Listen to the archives. Maybe you missed a program. Check it out at saveus.org. Also, there are some great resources, hospitality information, also information about marriage, divorce, and remarriage, newsletters, articles, prophecy, prayer and revival information, all at saveus.org. Shocks. Globalism is at the gates, my friends, and we as follow as uh, Christian followers of Jesus Christ are ending a new era of global crisis, and here is why it matters. It matters because our trust is being tested. Do you know what tribulation means? Tribulation means pressure. The Greek word from which we get the word tribulation means pressure. Are you feeling pressure yet? Don't tell me Christians aren't going to feel pressure. The Bible says they will. In fact, Jesus said that everybody is going to experience tribulation. What he didn't say is everybody's going to experience the great tribulation where the wrath of God is going to be poured out. He didn't say that. But he did say all who live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. We need to think about that because it's coming, and it's coming so rapidly it makes your head spin. So we have a phrase in this country. It's a motto, in God we trust. The question is, do we? That really is the question, isn't it, Jeff? Yeah, exactly. And think about it in our lifetime, we can look back on our childhood and remember when government basically went along with Christian beliefs, Judeo-Christian morals and beliefs. Government had our back. They believed in traditional marriage, uh, that homosexuality was an aberration, uh, that prayer was a good thing. 
Uh, the Ten Commandments were a good thing. Uh, don't kill each other. But nowadays, the government has really pivoted and has shifted with culture, uh, whether we're first came, which came first, the chicken or the egg, is debatable. Mm-hmm. But the government now, Chuck, no longer has our back. That government is working against Christianity yeah. right now, though we had a, a small little respite for four years where we had a sympathetic president uh, to uh, to Christian values. But now this is officially changed through the official edicts and executive orders of this new president. And so what we're experiencing now is really just government participating in basically what George Orwell called newspeak and doublethink and, and some of those terms that um, uh, that really redefine reality itself for the masses. You know, when we read that book back in our teenage years, uh, George Orwell's 1984, uh, it was it was kind of frightening, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. No one could possibly imagine. I mean, this was science fiction. This mm-hmm. was the kind of thing you stayed up late at night and watched one of those black and white movies, and it came on, it scared you to death. But guess what? We're experiencing that right now, but it's the old frog in the kettle on yep. the one hand, where we're gradually being boiled. On the other hand, it's like they're not even pretending to hide an agenda no. and just putting it out there in our face. So really experiencing both those things, Chuck. No question about it. And uh, along the lines of what you were saying just a moment ago, uh, you can have all of the uh, presidential edicts out there, but one of the things that really caught my attention that proved how far the government is going to completely wage war against God and Christians was when we had a National Day of Prayer last week, and the president was the first president in 70 years who refused to use the word God in his proclamation for the National Day of Prayer. So who are you praying to? Well, in essence, we were praying to ourselves. We were becoming the God or government. And then in addition to that, shockingly, he refused to allow a gathering as had become historical since the very founding of the National Day of Prayer, refused to allow them to gather at the Capitol for the National Day of Prayer. Refused. In other words, he openly and notoriously, while professing to be this uh, Catholic Christian, has openly defied the God who made and preserved us a nation. That's how I see it. How do you see it? Well, exactly what's happening. There's, there is an active resistance against biblical values, against godliness, and in its place, as I said earlier, they're just inserting uh, the most rancid, depraved values. I mean, all, all the way back to, to the Obama administration, when in 2015 we, we basically said that, that gay marriage was a human right and on the same level uh, as any other right that we have. Uh, during that same year, the hashtag Shout Your Abortion went viral. Uh, now you can have parties celebrating the slaughter uh, of your young children. And this is this is the, the, the mindset. You know, Christians, once again, you know, we want to find the good in people. and We want to say, well, he's a good Catholic or, you know, however you want to paint people like this. But we have to hold the Bible in our hand and let the Bible do the talking for us and not what culture is saying to us. We can yeah. still obviously love people, Chuck, but, but we have to declare what the Bible says, what yes. the Bible says about marriage and sexuality and gender and rationality and how to think and morality and all these things, God has already spoken. He put it in the Bible. He put it in print for us to know. 
And Christians must get behind that agenda and not a presidential one. One of the things that concerns me the most, uh, Jeff, is that among American Christians, especially evangelical Christians, is this uh, idea, I think, therefore I am. In cogito ergo sum, what Rene Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. And we've turned the Christian faith into nothing but a set of cognitive assertions of facts, religious facts. I believe, we, we say, I believe, I believe these facts. The problem with that is there's no demonstration of trust. If we really trusted God, we would obey him. In fact, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And if you do love me and keep my commandments, I and my Father will manifest ourselves to you. Four times in John 14, he repeated that. John, the beloved disciple, said, this is the love of God. If you keep his commandments, that his commandments are not grievous. Yet, Jeff, the most hated word in the church today is the word obey. It's deemed to be a four-letter word from pulpit to pew. How in the world are we going to be able to stand in the evil day when the counterfeit Christ comes to impose his will upon the people? Yeah, I mean, the word obey is equivalent to submission. And if we say that we're submitting to someone, by default, we're saying that we're not the one that's in charge. So therefore, what we've done is we have reformatted the basic tenets of Christianity to say, Christianity exists for me. God exists for my benefit so that I can feel good, so that I can be a better version of myself. And isn't Uh, this exactly what the coronavirus governmental mandates have done? They have prepared the people, enculturated us, to submit to ungodly authority while refusing godly authority. Absolutely, and they've done that through a massive media campaign. I mean, you see it everywhere. I mean, the narrative of the government is on every major news site, it's on every social media site, and, and, and at the same time, it's this hidden agenda. Well, really what we're doing is we're personally empowering you to become something better than who you are. You'll become more healthy. You'll become more wealthy if you just do these things. Yeah. Uh, but I see the same thing in the church, though, Chuck, where we, we're, so, we're so focused on this idea that Christianity is a personal relationship with Christ, that it's a subjective thing, that it varies from person to person, that it's all about you and how you feel. Go to any church, and basically what you sing in the morning is all about how you feel, not about who God is. Mm-hmm. And I find, Chuck, that's the exact lie that Satan used in the garden is the original lie. You yep, shall be is. as God. Exactly. And we're going to elevate you to that godlike status, and that's what both the government and society is doing to us. Okay. You and I could probably sit here extemporaneously and chat for hours uh, concerning all of these issues. Something has come up, and you say that not everybody's drinking the Kool-Aid. And we're finding, even within the Catholic Church, Uh, some very serious divisions that are taking place over these issues. For instance, in 2020, a conservative Catholic contingency out of Rome released a manifesto claiming that the coronavirus was merely a pretext designed to, quote, deprive citizens around the world of their fundamental freedoms and to promote a world government that is in contrast to God's government. They were absolutely right. 
In fact, uh, there are several now who have come out very boldly. Now, the Catholic Church is in serious division. We have three popes in a row now who have all called for a one-world order. John Paul II, Benedict, and uh, now Pope Francis. Pope Francis has gone more than any of the others and called for a new economic uh, rulership in the world, and uh, everything should be a new global government. What do you make of this? There's a complete, a huge division now within the Roman Catholic Church over this. Yeah, and we may find that some of those conservative Catholics might find themselves uh, marginalized and ostracized within their own uh, sect, within their own religion there. They and what are. it is, really, yeah, exactly. And, and what we're, I think we're going to see here, Chuck, is that the Catholic Church as a whole is taking the path of least resistance in Europe. In other words, they're getting on the train of, of what's being told to them that's going to make, it's going to bring this type of peace and prosperity to their region. But in essence, it once again, it's a piece of the puzzle that paves the way mm -hmm. uh, for global leadership through under Antichrist, through a one-world religion, and who knows that the Catholic Church may even lead the way in helping to uh, propagate that among the nations. Well, we certainly see that with Pope Francis. It's amazing. I, yeah. I, I've read several of his books now, and it's globalism, globalism, globalism. I mean, that seems to be his theme. Mm -hmm. Okay. Technology and Satan's Superman. Quickly, where do you see technology in all this? The uh, uh, Metropolitan, that is the, the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, came out about a year ago and declared that technology was going to be the arm of the Antichrist to take uh, control over the church. Well, one area we see it is in the area of surveillance. I mean, we are, everyone who has a phone is leaving a, a digital footprint wherever they go. Uh, you, you can't go off the grid anymore because they're watching you as you go off the grid. So that's greatly shrunk the world. It's greatly uh, in, enhanced and emboldened government. Uh, when you go to London, uh, if you were in London today, you would be photographed and videoed by over 300 different cameras in a typical, typical day. So certainly surveillance is yeah. one of it. The other thing, though, right, I, we'll, I believe... We'll pick that, up on that. Hold your thought. We'll pick up on that yep. after the break, Brent. Aftershocks. The global gates of globalism. Have you ever considered what the early church was like? Many people are developing a heart longing for a greater fulfillment in our practices as Christians. A recent study showed 53,000 people a week are leaving the back door of America's churches in frustration. What is going on? Why has there not been even a 1% gain among followers of Christ in the last 25 years? Could it be that God is seeking to restore first century Christianity for the 21st century? Jesus said, I'll build my church. Is Christ by His Spirit stirring to prepare the church for the 21st century? The early church prayed together and broke bread from house to house. They were family, and it was said by all who observed, Behold how they love one another. Incredible. But the same can be found right now. Go to saveus.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's saveus.org. Click Sell Church. The book, Aftershocks, Christians Entering a New Era of Global Crisis, 
indeed, we are at the gates of globalism. And uh, it's a $16, excuse me, a $15 book, yours for $13 on our website, saveus.org. That's saveus.org. Again, our guest, Jeff Kinley. And uh, you were talking about technology. Uh, We could probably spend the entire hour talking about that, Jeff. But I'm thinking back one year uh, to March, I believe it was 13th. March 13, 2020, when Bill Gates and Microsoft filed a patent with the U.S. Patent Office for a nanodot device, something very, very new, to be inserted in people, not for the purpose of a vaccine the way we think of it, but for the purpose of eliminating all cash in the world and using this nanodot device to incorporate all information concerning the economy, concerning our uh, bank accounts, concerning everything that we have, so that all transactions would be governed by whether or not you had that particular device. That sounds a bit spooky, sounds very close to Revelation 13, doesn't it? Well, it does. And, and you know, what's amazing to me is I find is, as you survey history, you see this in many areas of prophecy where Satan really tries to jumpstart the tribulation. He tries to jumpstart that time when his man is going to be over uh, the world government. And he's doing other little substarts in the air, different areas as well. One of them is in the area of cash. You know, we've moved from being a, a cash-based society to a to digital currency, I think somewhere around 30% of uh, America's transactions are now digital. We've gone from paying for, with cash to check to card to, to from our phone, and now we've got to, not only with some of these um, uh, implants, dermal tattoos, living tattoos that measure everything from your glucose levels to your heartbeat. Uh, now Amazon has come out, of course, with what's called biometric scanning, where it allows you to make payments with your hand. Now, that sounds very futuristic, but Chuck, when I did some research into this, it blew my mind because they're able to scan the palm of your hand in 300 milliseconds, and the accuracy rate is within one ten thousandth of one percent. And the reason it's so accurate is because it reads not only your palm print, but also the lines and creases of your subdermal under your skin, of your oh, vein man. patterns, of even bones structure and things like that. So. Basically, what's happening is is they're tying the economy to our actual person, not just to a bank account, but actually to, to how we are uniquely made. And in essence, again, this is all leading, whether this ends up being something that is similar to what ends up being the mark of the beast, we, we're not really sure. I don't, obviously, Amazon One is not the mark of the beast, but it's basically one way to pay. And if they can get us all on the same ship, all on the same you know, boat in terms of doing this economically, yeah. then once again, the world has become one now economically. Well, that is the trajectory, no question about it. And it's moving so rapidly uh, that it makes your head spin. Then we find Israel in terrible disarray right now. They've had four elections in two years and trying to avoid a fifth election. They can't form a government. Uh, Israel is radically divided right now. And in addition to that, anti-Semitism is growing dramatically all throughout Europe and the United States. Uh, 
it, it's as if chaos is being bred against both Christians and Jews, uh, just as the ancient prophets foretold. Exactly. We see the same thing in the book of Revelation. In the end of days, there's going to be uh, another holocaust, if you will, against the Jews. And some two-thirds of the Jews, uh, some Bible scholars believe, are going to lose their lives. There's going to be untold numbers of Christians that are going to lose their lives during the tribulation period uh, because of their faith in Christ. And as you said, this whole idea of the trajectory of where we're going, and it really doesn't take a genius to figure this out, Chuck. I mean, uh, you know, when you work with missile programs, as my son did in, in the Army, you can track where you know a missile is going to land based on its trajectory mm-hmm. because it's been pre-programmed. And the same is true with Bible prophecy. As we see some of these things being launched up in the atmosphere, we can pretty much tell where it's going to end up. Now, we don't know when it's going to be there, uh, but the Bible does tell us the, the, the uh, impact point of some of these prophecies. Yeah. And part of that, as you said, is that is breeding the chaos so that we can create an environment where we can in, where they can insert some of these agendas and strategies that coincidentally enough dovetail exactly with what the Bible predicts. Times of the signs. Normally we hear somebody use the term signs of the times, but you turned that around in a chapter titled Times of the Signs. Uh, I'm thinking back uh, to the year 1993. 1993, the year we formed Save America Ministries there in Southern California, uh, as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. And right about that time, I had moved my family to uh, Richmond, Virginia, the birthplace of the nation, but I still had to wrap up my law practice in Southern California. Uh, So I still had to drive up and down the California freeways. Well, one day, I was driving along the 210 freeway there in California, and all of a sudden, my eyes lit upon a massive billboard. It was one of those 60-foot billboards, and here's what it said, Sword of the Lord coming soon. Would that get your attention, Jeff? Sword (laughs) of the Lord coming soon. Then, 60 days later, another billboard showed up. talking about the coming of Christ. And so I tracked down who it was that put these billboards up. It was a young man in his 30s named Tom Bickers. He told me right here on this program, he said, Chuck, I took all of my savings to use it to put up those billboards because I felt that God had moved upon my heart to warn the people to get ready that Jesus is coming soon. Unbelievable. God will raise up interesting people to woo and to warn, won't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And Talk every about Christian, a billboard. Has... Talk about a billboard yeah. and signs of the times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and that's exactly what we're seeing. It's, it's like we're driving down the road, and God is he's doing two things. He's putting signs in the road saying, hey, are you noticing what's happening in the world? But also at the same time, it's like that check engine light coming on our own vehicle. He's saying, hey, what about you? What about your life? Are you preparing yourself? Mm-hmm. Are you getting ready? Are you able to stand with confidence and courage against this behemoth of a beast of culture that's coming against you right now? And that's part of what 
I'm trying to do is to help Christians uh, be able to have that kind of confidence, that kind of clarity, and that kind of, of courage to go forth and stand strong in the world that's, that's gradually turning against us very quickly. As I was raising my daughters years ago, I taught them a little song that had been taught to me uh, as a young man, a, a boy. And it goes like this, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, and dare to make it known. My daughters would never forget that. So when my eldest daughter had her first son, they named him Daniel. Hmm. I prepared a special plaque, a calligraphy plaque, very beautiful, with that message on it, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone. Eight years ago, I was invited uh, to go to uh, Ghana, uh, West Africa, to Accra, and there's a Christian school there, and they were going to have a great celebration opening up, uh, expanding their school, and I was able to address 500 students there, and I taught them that little song. And I would speak the words of the song and then go back and kind of flesh it out. And then we would go back and we would sing the song again. And it was as if it captured their attention. We have to dare to be a Daniel, like Daniel in the Old Testament. We have to dare to be willing to stand alone. We have to dare to have a purpose firm and dare to make us known. And it's going to take more and more courage in these times, isn't it, Jeff? It really is, because the worse the times get, the darker the night gets out there. Uh, we're going to stand out if we're aligning ourselves with biblical values. Now, some Christians may want to take on the darkness so they can blend in, but God wants us to stand up and to stand out in these last days. And that's why, with so much fear that's going on right now, Chuck, uh, I, I really want to help Christians know how to deal with that fear mm -hmm. by knowing who God is and what God has said about their condition. Uh, but Scripture also tells us in the last days that this is why we really need each other. Yeah. Because many times, you know, we like Shadrach had Meshach and Abednego uh, to stand with. Uh, Peter had John, the Hebrew midwives, had each other. Uh, but sometimes we do have to stand alone because there are no Christians. But yeah. I, I think about what Hebrews 10.25 says is that, to not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, but to encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day being the day of Jesus' return. Right. And so I believe we have to be cohesive together around the Word of God. We have to know what God's Word says. That's the only thing that's going to give us any discernment in this world and be able to see in the dark, if you will. And then we have to lock arms. It's almost like, you know, metaphorically, we're walking into that Colosseum together and uh, about to be thrown to the lions, so we better know who's going to stand with us during those times. Well, I believe that there's hope, but our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's right. Uh, if we think that America is going to be our supreme hope, we've actually turned it into a kind of God. It's become yeah. idolatry. Even our Christian history and heritage has become somewhat idolatrous, because we've been worshiping the heritage rather than the God of the heritage. Mm -hmm. And that is very troubling to me. I'm as about as patriotic as you can get. I have more patriotic ties than most people have ties, period. And, uh, you know, I, I've always been a patriot since I was 10 years of age. But I have to tell you, Jeff, my ultimate allegiance 
is to Christ and Christ alone. God and God alone is fit to take the universe's throne. Let everything that breathes reserve its truest praise for God and God alone. We've got to come to that point, and our faith has to be so deep and so strong, and our trust has to be tested and tried if we're going to be able to stand, doesn't it? That's very true, and I'm with you. I'm a great patriot myself. My oldest son was a, is a West Point graduate, but you know, my citizenship ultimately, as Paul says in Philippians 3.20, is in heaven. That's where my allegiance, my loyalty is. And therefore, the bride of Christ right now, every church member, every Christian listening to this broadcast, has to focus on purity in their own life and being committed to Christ, preparation for what's coming in this world and for the world to come, and then penetration into society, as Jesus said, to be salt and light and to go in there and shine the truth of Jesus Christ and to take whatever the world throws at well, there's another area of hope, and that is a word called the rapture. And uh, even though the word itself doesn't appear in the Scripture, the concept of it does, Paul writing in Thessalonians. Uh, the problem with the word rapture is not the word. The problem is how it's taught and the, uh, the implications that people have. And you'll hear pastors say blithely and almost mockingly, uh, to people, well, we don't worry. We don't teach about these things. We don't talk about preparing. We don't talk about any of that because you're going to be out of here anyway. You don't have to be concerned about that. Well, that attitude, Jeff, renders all the warnings of Scripture worthless, meaningless, because all the warnings of Scripture are to believers, not unbelievers. What say you? Quickly. Well, John 15, Jesus said, "In the world, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trouble. They're going to hate you uh, because of my sake." And I believe leading up to that time of great tribulation, Chuck, when God's wrath falls on the earth, there's going to be a ramping up of persecution. So we don't get a get-out-of-jail-free card just because <laughs> of the rapture's going to happen. I mean, we're still going to suffer up to that point. Uh, there you go. may not be to the degree that some think we're going to suffer, but yes, there's going to be great opposition. So that's why Christians need to be warriors, need to be strong, need to have their infrastructure and their house built on the words of Jesus. There you go, friends. The exhortation from our guest, Jeff, Kent, Jeff Kenley, Aftershocks, Globalism at the Door, friends. It's there. Get a copy of this wonderful book, $15 book, yours for $13 on our website, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA and again, become a partner. Don't wait for the other guy to do it. It's time for you to shoulder the plow by faith. God bless. You've been listening to Viewpoint with Chuck Grissmeyer. Viewpoint is supported by the faithful gifts of our listeners. Let me urge you to become a partner with Chuck as a voice to the church declaring vision for the nation. Join us again next time on Viewpoint as we confront the issues of America's heart and home.